in an outbow, somewhere deep in the suburb of Moabit, Berlin, two wicked women sit in contemplation of the world, huddled around the microphones of their home studio. We are singer-songwriter Samantha Waring. That's me. And broadcaster and writer Megan Spencer. Oh, that's me. And we're two Australian Val-Berlinerinnen, meaning optionally Berliners. Or Berliners by choice. Three Wicked Women is our podcast, the third woman being the beautiful, bright and belligerent city of Berlin, brimming with Berliner schnauzer and tales aplenty. Each episode, we will bring you seriously funny conversation, fearless music and wicked guests. Yep, it's another Vertumpte podcast. And no, it's not NPR. Three Wicked Women is very loose radio indeed. Welcome Welcome to to our our world. Sam, your washing's ready. So, Sam, you know, we got some good feedback about our introductory theme from a friend who quite liked our, what would you call it? Homespun. (laughs) In situ, the sound of uh, your washing machine. (laughs) So we made the thing go about six times to get exactly the right spin cycle sound. It's got a rather violent spin cycle. It actually moves forward across the floor. Anyway, hi. Hello, Megan. We've made it to the second episode, which is... Side one, track two, poetry. That's right. We're going to dip into the world of poetry today. But before we do that, Mm. we must dip into the world of Kate Bush and the event you're organising. Yes, the hashtag day of weathering. The most weathering heights day ever. Um, It's been amazing to me to watch how this thing has grown from an initial dare to several thousand Berliners wanting to take part and now we have 19 different cities around the world in Australia in New Zealand in the US and in Canada and across Europe including one in London which is being hosted by Shambush the ladies who originated the idea in 2013 but if you look up the most Wuthering Heights day ever on the internet you'll find all of the many events that are going on around the world and it's quite a crowdsourced type of event. Oh yeah, I just Mm. put on the the initial Berlin event page. If you want to organise one of your own, just get in contact with me and (laughs) we can support each other. So people started writing and going, I would love to organise one. How do I do it? I'm like, I don't know, like I'm doing it, you just do it. (laughs) So we put a little secret organisers group together on Facebook and if anyone has a logistical problem, like how do I get permits for this or do I need permits or what do we do with the sound system or how do we go about teaching everyone the dancing? Then everyone just sort of pitches in with their right. own ideas. Mm. So, it, I mean, I've been fascinated for a few years with open source organisational models. And so I put it out there as a as a sort of a, an open source event that everyone could be a part of and run their own versions of. So partly be, so I didn't have to manage everyone mm. and partly to see if it works, what would happen. So this experiment is gone wonderfully and there's been some interesting little get-together preparatory events around the place too hasn't there a red dress making workshop in berlin that Mm -hmm. a a friend of mine from a a collective called a la mode is is running there was a crowdfunding campaign in melbourne for people to get their red dresses made and hobart has for months now been organizing regular dance rehearsals fantastic so the the day of wuthering July 16, and it's basically a whole lot of people getting together around the world within the same 24-hour time period to reenact Kate Bush's Wuthering Wuthering Heights 
video. The red dress video. The red dress video, not the white one. Yes, that was for the American market. And especially not the white one that was slowed down to 40 minutes. <laughs> Although that would be... Amazing. That, that would be amazing. That would be a physical challenge though. The one bit of sad news out of all of this mm. is that we were rejected by the Guinness Book of Records people. They said that our attempt wasn't unique enough and that we should have something that requires more skill. But that dance would require skill. Exactly. But apparently that is not special enough for the oh. Book of Records people. Well, I say poo. Poo to them. Anyway, we shall not dwell on uh, the negativity. We shall not dwell. <laughs> we will dwell on how marvellous it is. And, of course, if you would like to get involved in this International Day of Wuthering, just visit the Facebook page. The Most Wuthering Heights Day Ever. Yes. And if you go to the Berlin site, you'll be able to get links to all of the international events. Okay. And find one near you. Now, on to poetry. Poetry. Which is the name of this episode. Indeed. We will be meeting a New Zealand-born, Berlin-based poet, Sandra Sarala. Indeed. Uh, we will be meeting the up-and-coming cabaret artist, Hannah Day, and hearing one of her songs. Oh, cannot wait for that. Comedian Amelia Jane Hunter is going to explore two very different worlds of poetry, mm. one from her youth and one from contemporary life in Berlin, very much the present. And Oliver Budak will, as usual, poetically dive into the world of freak food and wine matching, today exploring what on earth one drinks with homemade daikon pickles. Now, I have to ask you, Sam, do you have a favourite poet? I do. There's an, a British female poet, she was called Stevie Smith, and I'm fond of her work, but I also really love Walt Whitman. Oh, yes. you're not alone with him. I know. And you, Megan, do you have favourites? Well, look, I can't say I've read a lot and I am trying really hard not to go to the boy stood on the burning deck. This <laughs> 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 pocket full of crackers. You know what blew off, don't you? Anyway, so from the ridiculous to the sublime, actually I've discovered the 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic uh, Rumi, as so many people have. And just in case you're curious about him, the two that I stumbled upon which really spoke to me, one is called Where Everything Is Music and another one is called A Community of the Spirit. There is a community of the spirit. Join it and feel the delight of walking in the noisy street and being the noise. And that is your invitation this week on Three Wicked Women. You're listening to Three Wicked Women Radio. I've forgotten what the next bit is. Sorry, one more. <laughs> we want to hear you slurp. Oh, good. So that's a lovely introduction into <laughs> our guest, Sandra Sarala, poet extraordinaire. And we are huddled around a very delicious looking plate of sliced banana with homemade Nutella on the top, except, Sam, I've just spotted a hair in it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> We've got it out. This is a small one. <laughs> Um, a short one. Um, a curly one? It, no, <laughs> thankfully. With uh, with toothpicks, it's it's very cocktail morning tea, isn't it's it? It's very, very morning tea, yes. Very uh, ladies' institute. And we have a poet with us and her <gasps> name is Sandra Sarala, as I've mentioned. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Three Wicked Women. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. you. You're our third wicked woman for the moment. Yes. And Sandra, you've been living in Berlin for how long? Almost 14 years. Goodness. But I escaped for a couple Where'd you go? <laughs> um, mainly Australia, uh, not Australia, New Zealand and um, and Italy. Now, Sam and Sandra, you guys go back a bit, don't you? 
Yes. Yes. We met each other and Sam was not so long in Berlin at that stage and it was the first weekend of her Sofa Salon series. Oh, that's and her I, house concert series. Yeah, and I came along to the second night. And so we would have met in this very room. Yes, that's correct. So you forged a friendship henceforth. Almost instantly. Two wicked women. It yes. In, it bonding. involved whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. Wicked women and whiskey. Now, you're a poet. Yes. How long have you been a poet? Since I was about 23. Yeah. So about half my life. A bit more than half my life. And what but I always wrote when I was a child as well. What brought you towards poetry? Well, I always wrote when I was little, but then the education system didn't really value it. So I stopped for a long time. But you had a performance background. Even, uh, kind of, but they kind of tried to hammer that out of me as well. You know, it was all about do typing because you got an A kind of thing. Then by the time I was 19 or 20, I met another poet who said, oh, you should be writing. And then when I moved away from my original hometown, then I started writing. In New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah. Mm, your original hometown is? What, Dunedin, mm. which is the Edinburgh of the South. The college town where all the good music came out of in mm -hmm. the 80s and 90s. That's it. I know all those people. I'm sure you do. <laughs> You've got famous friends. The Chills. Does anyone know the Chills? The Chills. <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin used to ring me taxis to get home. Oh, listen yes. to you. <laughs> they were such a great band. They still are the Chills. But back to poetry. So did you see poetry as some kind of, I guess, insurrection or revolution or fuck you <laughs> to people when you started out, given that you were discouraged from writing early on? I think for me it was really, I didn't have many role models. And so it was something that was really hard to own for a long time. And then my first poet mentor, David Merritt, said, oh, you should get in contact with Bernadette Hall, who was a Christchurch poet. And um, she was writer-in-residence at the university there, and she also encouraged me and kept a packet of biscuits, chocolate sultana pasties, in her desk drawer for me because she thought I was malnourished. Oh, <laughs> That's adorable. We've just been feeding you budrum ginger. I know. <laughs> What's going great. on? Yeah, 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 no, it's the sweet tooth yeah. going on. So I was just really writing about observations that I saw. There wasn't any kind of rebellion. When I got to Wellington, yeah, then again I kind of had a degree and I didn't know what to do with it because I've never really understood how these kinds of things are meant to function in life that you're supposed to get a qualification and then use it because I'm, I'm I do something and then I'm like okay I've done that now I'm not really interested in it I want to learn something else so mm -hmm. this is kind of yeah and yeah this is always my so I'm a kind of like 21st century renaissance kind of Refu work refugee kind of, something <laughs> yeah. like that qualification I'm, refugee yeah. no I've worked yeah. and I've done everything from sharing gang to uh, banker so um, poetry and permaculture and singing and editing kind of, and sometimes journalism kind of work. Like an island a hop. But better, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything that I don't get too bored with. But then when I was in Berlin, I suppose I, it just became easier because of the performance community here. It then became easier to um, 
and the kind of political in your faceness of Germany and the Diskussionskultur, it became easier to be outspoken in politics because in New Zealand there's the tall poppy syndrome, somebody's going to crucify you for that, or it did in the past. Sort of a cultural modesty. Yeah, I had one good mentor, um, Alan Brunton, who was my theatre uh, company director in New Zealand. He was from Red Mole's Roadworks. And he dared me to do a performance in South Korea, which I did. I did a performance in Seoul called um, The Sound of Mucus, and <laughs> which was definitely a satire, and ah. it was during the economic crash. And so that def- that was political. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and you spent quite a bit of time in South Korea. Eight months. And oh, it was okay. Yeah. Teaching? So teaching badly. So, yeah. And then I went from there to Moscow, and then I just saw the writing was on the wall, and their economy, sure enough, did crash. So Sandra, <laughs> are you a harbinger of doom? Yes. <laughs> Economic doom. Oh, my God. And oh, look, Berlin's poor but sexy, right? Yeah. So you're in the right place. Exactly. Yeah. I really don't think that being poor is all that sexy. No, I agree. It's like, well, yeah. What's your what's your feeling about Berlin? You've been here for a long time. You've seen a lot of changes. How do you feel about it? Well, I live days? in a, I live in a suburb that's been really heavily gentrified, uh, but I'm lucky my rent hasn't gone up. My building's not been renovated, although it's now the stairwell's being renovated. It's the first time anything's been done since the GDR. And the best observation I can have about Berlin is that when I first came here in 2002, you could charge between five and seven euros for a little show. And now people don't even want to pay that. Tell us a little bit about what you've been working on lately. Well, actually, I'm starting, I'm starting work on a script for a stage version of Looking for Lago di Lecco. And then I have some other, and I've been going through my back catalogue and looking for small poems, which I can turn into postcards, which actually I've now realised people don't really buy postcards anymore because they send text messages. So <laughs> and, um, and also um, longer poems, which I will turn into single poem books. You mentioned looking for Lago de Leco, mm. and this is your sort of major piece of work of the last few years yeah can you tell us a little bit about how you came to the collection I met this musician in May of 2011 at a bar in Berlin and we uh, started a, a friendship mainly involving writing because he lived in Italy and I lived in Berlin and we would online chat a lot and write messages like Really, really regularly. And one day we were in one of our little chat sessions. It was all very intellectual and artistic. It was really great. And something came up about the lakes around Milan. And we were trying to work out which lake I was talking about because I had a friend that lived on Lago Maggiore, which is the deep lake. And he wrote something about, oh, which lake? Leco, but it was there was kind of a grammatical mistake, and from this I inferred something that wasn't meant, and so I just thought it was hilarious. This lake of licks, and and so leco means leco means lick, and it's for the lake of licks. <laughs> yeah. and you know whether the water is licking on your body or it's the sound of the water on the shore, and yeah, I just I that really appealed to me, and yeah, from this miss interpretation of meaning in this chat I ended up going down to Milan and um, had a very 
Unexpected encounter. (laughs) (laughs) You are, of course, listening to Three Wicked Women Radio. We have a very wicked woman of international mystery with us right now, Sandra Sarala. You have a book of this. Yeah, I have a book of this. Yeah, and it's green and it's beautiful. And it was hand, the the inside covers were hand marbled. uh, the end, the one end. set of the end papers were marbled and the front end paper is a, is a lino print. Yeah. So you're, you've written a whole book about this story. Yep. Or kind of, well, it sent me on a journey to end up doing a whole lot of other things. So it's, it's not only about that unexpected encounter, it's about landscapes and, you know, going between Germany and Italy and New Zealand and the friendships that are in all those places. So, mm. yeah. And something I enjoy about your performance and something I think is your trademark in, in the Berlin performance scene is is the way you collect work and the way you order it on stage. And you have this marvellous, calm presence. Uh, you're, you're the conductor or the, the ringmaster of the, the circus. Hmm. And you order your, your poems and you... You throw them on the floor when they're done. You discard them, and sometimes you discard ones that you like. You reorder the set, the order of the show as it yep. comes to you, as it goes. But this is not actually. I'm not really the ringmaster because the work is is my ringmaster. Oh, it controls you. It controls <laughs> me because, and I th- this for me is really important because I used to get stage fright, not all the time, but quite often, and. Because I have this thing, the disease of responsibility, one of my friends, Roselle, (laughs) called it once. (laughs) Because I'm an oldest of four children, so I grew up with this. And, yeah, the day she said, oh, the disease of responsibility. And and I was like, oh, ding. And from that moment, I was kind of healed. Because, you know, And but with the performance thing, it was like I realised that I didn't have to take responsibility for the work. It was more that the work had the responsibility and all I had to do was um, just make sure I had the right skills to allow the work to come through. I, I so. have to say, I hear this so often now. And look... I actually am an unashamed fan of Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about her. Oh, I like her, yeah. But she talks about this, and it's not her original idea. She got it from, another, I think, a poet or another writer that um, she talks about a a writer being out in a field and, and these words coming through them. And when you see uh, them run for your life, yes. get inside and start writing them down, like yeah. you channel it, you're the, the, I know you're the exactly. muse for the, yeah. That, that, the poem it. blows through you yes. and, and yeah. there's nothing yeah. you can do to stop it. I can't remember who said that. Yeah. But also like this, uh, it's a very old idea that also in um, flamenco culture, when when people say "ale ale," this is actually it's a um, comes from Allah. It means that God is coming through the person. Ah, yeah. And Tom Waits talks about being a radio and and sitting down to work and tuning, going through the the stations and the static until he tunes into a song that then drops down, which he can sort of nominally call his. Would you yeah. like to? Um Twiddle Sandra's knobs right now and tune her in so we can get a poem out of it. Ah, okay. <laughs> Watch out. So, <laughs> can you feel it, Sandra? She's fiddling and twiddling. I'm, I'm twiddling. <laughs> I'm just right. activating different centres in my body. <laughs> Would you like to do a poem for us now? You get to choose because I've got one that's the, the Pope and one's about a mouse. So, um, 
So you can decide which one you get first. I would like to hear the one about the Pope, please. Okay. Answer number 19, the current Pope. The current Pope stretches his legs towards the sun and sips his morning coffee. Today, he is most concerned with the inequities of modern life. Facing the divide between rich and poor, which is yawning into a chasm and opening wide his own jaw, he hears it pop and lets forth a roar of impecunious anger, strictly on their behalf, for of course his fluttering robe is of the finest stuff, made according to traditions handed down through centuries of privilege bestowed by men upon other men to clothe an interpreter of God's word, which this fine day dawning is a furious yawp that bounces from the terrace of the palazzo out to the multitudes with all the visible impact of the slow flurry emanating from the butterfly's wings, opening and closing with delight, drawing up nectar drop by drop through its proboscis, embedded in a purple cone flower itself enthroned upon the terrazzo in a terracotta pot. Thank you, Sandra Sarala, poet, wicked woman of Berlin. Three Wicked Women, the Sirens of Radio. We, we take Berlin to be the regular third wicked woman of the Three mm. Wicked Women radio show. If you were to embody Berlin as a, as a single human, what would Berlin's characteristics be to you? You know, there's this kind of um, the cliche about woman, woman being mysterious because of their personalities often have so many different facets and that's what Berlin is like for me and that was all that was my first impression of the city mm. when I first got here because I came from an ashram where I'd been living a very pure life meditating and doing kirtan all the time no two hours a day and um for six months and I got here and I was all open to the energy and each time I went to the different part of the city it was entirely different. It felt entirely different. It was really kind of confusing. Mm. And you see it less now because it is more generic because of the gentrification. Mm. Um, it's become a lot more beige. And, of course, she has the river flowing through her, so she's always going to be moving and changing. Sandra, I'm just going to retune you. <coughs> Fantastic. Would you be so kind as to uh, drop another poem through... Into the space. Okay. Gaze of a mouse. And this was written on the evening of the 4th of July, 2015, from a 34 degree angle. Periscope out from a sunny corner in the long summer grass, hidden among tall nettles, exhaling pollen into the heat in small golden clouds. And beyond, out of frame, a wild meadow where people play, soundtrack, quiet chatter and laughter and all around the ring of grasses and nettles, various trees and sky. Our skins prickle light, graining with a pollen-dusted grime, 
moisten and breathe, and the linden is sweet, inhale on full through air follicles as the bumblebees feed from the flower's honeydewed ball bulbs, sipping a soporific tea. And then, just behind, a tiny rustle, just a blade of grass, and a slow, steady turn reveals a mouse crept right up close in the still to feast upon the juices of the fresh grass, green seed. It too is watching with care, for as well there's a grey velveteen baby taking nourishment, even more timid in its half-metre near graves. And now spy another silent pair in front. Yes, the whole mouse tribe has us surrounded as they partake of their evening repast in peace. We are with them, dusk yet a distant secret, not quite knowing all that we have truly seen. She's bloody good, isn't she? She's very good. <laughs> Thank you. That was really... I was right there in oh, that meadow. In that meadow. That's, that meadow is in the cemetery over the road from my house and I've been kind of unwell for a couple of years and in a lot of physical pain so this and exhausted. So that's my little hidey hole. I once got accused of being a, a kind of a... A ghoul. No, yeah, a gruselish, <laughs> a gruselish hexer. A grisly witch. <laughs> a, a gruesome, a creepy witch by um, two little girls who, like, they, they went away to get... They saw me surrounded by the nettles, which they thought was a bit creepy. And um, they went away to get their mothers to see the grisly hexer. And so the mothers, Julie, came along. And oddly enough, it was two sisters who I've been doing yoga with for years. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this is, you know, I've been here for a long time and it's quite nice being integrated into the neighbourhood like this with these very strong female connections. So, yeah. Cue witchly cackle. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) There is, I think, room for one last question. And Um, it's the question that we ask all of our wicked women. Indeed. I would like to ask who your favourite wicked woman is in all of recorded history or unrecorded history. I think my favourite one for many years now has been Jane Goodall for her marvellous work with chimpanzees, simply for her bravery to go and do that work Mm. when it was almost unheard of for young women to go and do that kind of work. work, Her mother actually accompanied her on her first field trip. Um, Yeah, and also now for her continued outspokenness about the environment yeah so yeah Jane Goodall wow what a pleasure talking to you thank you for your beautiful poems and your amazing wit and if you are interested in finding out more about Sandra as an artist and performer and poet she does have a Facebook page that you can google Mm. (laughs) (laughs) just look for artist page Sandra Sorala Facebook and you'll find her and a fabulous photo of her looking down the barrel of a camera Looking down the barrel of a camera and also looking into a flame. If you look for the green photograph with the yellow flame, yeah, me playing with fire. (laughs) (laughs) As you are wont to do. That's it. I am a little firebug. You're You're in in the middle middle of Three Wicked Women. Women.
Wicked guests, seriously funny conversation, and of course, fearless music. You can find us on Bandcamp, Twitter and Facebook. And if perchance you like what you're hearing, share our links and tell your friends. My name is Wayne Blair. I am the director of Clever Man and Megan Spencer. I've known you for many years and I still think you're a very wicked woman. And Sam, I heard you are too. Sam, I'm feeling a bit hungry now after all that poetry. How about Mm, you? Me too. I could really sink my teeth into something crunchy. In that case, it could be a good time to check in with our regular sommelier, Oliver Budak. Now it's time for Oliver Budak's Gut Feeling. Freak food and wine matching with Oliver Budak, sommelier, Berlin. On Three Wicked Women Radio, Sam, you've been pickling. I have been pickling. I have a terrible craving in winter for Lebanese pickles particularly. Um, I love the bright pink colour and the crispness and the tartness and it goes so well with a falafel and hummus and mm, I, I love Lebanese food. So I we had a rather sad looking daikon radish that was uh, wilting a little in the... Bottom of the fridge? Uh, no, veggie box on top of the fridge actually. And rather than throw it out... I thought I'll use it like they'd use turnips Mm -hmm. and I'll pickle it in the Lebanese style. So So what did you put in that jar? I did an interesting mixture of half vinegar, half apple cider vinegar because I had some and I wanted to see what it was like, plus a fairly generous splash of shoyu, which is the Mm. sweet Japanese vinegar. And that made a really characterful pickling base. Into that I put a reasonable whack of salt, Mm -hmm. four cloves of garlic cut in half and a little bit of thyme, plus a beetroot cut into eighths, which is what gives the Lebanese pickles their traditional bright pink. The pink colour. Colour. Okay. Just on hand, Mm. we just happen to have our (gasps) resident sommelier standing by to Uh, do a freak food and wine match pop-up. Lightning (laughs) food and wine match. Hello, Oliver. Hi, you three wicked women or... Two wicked women. Oliver Budak, I'm married to him. <laughs> uh, just declo- disclosing again, just sure. in case anyone's forgotten. And thank you for inviting me. I'm looking at this uh, pink piece of daikon in front of me. So and shall we munch on it and give it a shot? And then we will ask you to mm. match a wine to go with this extremely... Or any beverage. Pungent. Any yes. beverage. Pungent piece of food. Indeed, it is rather pungent. All right, you go first. Oh, mm. my God. I dare you to breathe on anyone later. Rock mm. and roll. Mm. <coughs> mm. <laughs> it's, got the, it's got the coughs. It's so, intense, isn't it? So, Oliver, what are you tasting? I love the texture. Mm. It's beautiful and crunchy. Mm. It tastes divine. It's a really, really good match of the vinegar and mm. the garlic. Oh, garlic is sitting in the back nicely. A little bit of thyme. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's just beautiful. I mean, ideally, I think this would go with a with a with a beer, mm-hmm. with a Pilsner style of beer, like mm-hmm. uh, which which is a uh, lager. So, being in Germany, but also in Australia, go and see if you find yourself a Pilsner Urquell. Mm. Nice, dry, crisp bitterness, fantastic with wine. I would think that would be difficult because it's so um, acidic. It, it's very acidic. Mm-hmm. If it would work, I'm not sure. So you could try an off-dry Riesling. Maybe you could try a Gewürztraminer Ooh. to see if you can go. Uh, G- Gewürztraminer is very 
bold and flavors, but doesn't have much acidity. But it's got a little spice to it. it, it has some, uh, yeah, and again, if you find yourself an example from the Alsace, mm. uh, you can't go wrong. You can buy that in Australia mm. or easily at Dan Murphy's. Oh, no advertisement. <laughs> like a Trimbach or like a Hügel. Uh, that would go really well. But I, ideally, I think, I mean, if you, even if you want to go for a red, Go yourself with a really um, easy drinking European style, like Beaujolais, like a, a lighter one. Yeah, go a Gamay if you get some. Ooh. We do some beautiful Gamays now in Australia. Unfortunately, not cheap. But your gut feeling here is beer. It's beer. Yes. Which one? Pilsner. Pilsner. Well, get get a Pilsner style beer. So a, a Czech blonde. Uh, a Czech would be fantastic. A blonde, crisp Pils beer. Mm. So who knew? Daikon pickled and Pilsner. Lebanese food and beer. Mm. I like it. Mm. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks, Oliver. You're welcome. If you'd like to keep up with Oliver and his food and wine adventures in Berlin and beyond, uh, you can check out his website, oliverbudak.com. Speaking of food, Sam. As we were. Mm, do you know what the definition of cabaret is? It's a type of red wine. <laughs> so cute i haven't heard that did you just make no, that i up? just made that up oh i like it <laughs> a cabaret sauvignon <laughs> here high fives now <laughs> yes. and we're not drunk we promise that's much um <laughs> in the middle of the day um well apparently I, I look i looked this up on the interwebs but i was a bit taken aback cabaret definition entertainment held in a nightclub or restaurant while the audience eat or drink at tables it's not very poetic, is it? No. <laughs> so something to do while people stuff their faces. Pretty much. Of course, we know it's not true. Yeah. I mean, let's meet our next guest, an Australian artist who's testing the waters of cabaret in its spiritual and historical home, Berlin. Three Wicked Women. No, don't. <laughs> you are listening to Three Wicked Women and we have another wicked woman in the house of Wicked Women. Indeed. Our bordello of pod. <laughs> <laughs> and her Bordello name <laughs> Her name is Hannah Day and we have to go Oh, oh Hannah, Hannah Day, Day. <laughs> Welcome to Three Wicked Women. Thank you very much. Oh naturally goes at the front of your name because you are a singer <laughs> and a cabaret artist. Now what's the German word for cabaret artist? Cabarettistin oder Cabaret Kunstlerin. Because as anyone listening knows, we are sitting in Berlin and Hannah has been living here for almost one, one year. year. Yeah. The home of Cabaret. Is that why you came? That is why I came, yeah. I, I was here in 2014 and I was here for two weeks during a whirlwind Cabaret pilgrimage. Ooh. To Europe, just loved it. You fell in love with Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Gee, that's a common story, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> what, what was it about Berlin that appealed to you? I think I had expectations because people said to me before I left Australia, you'll love Berlin, you'll love Berlin, you'll love Berlin, you have to go there. I came knowing that, that I, was, I was looking for something and that... Have you found it yet is the question. No, I don't think I'll ever find anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it does have a lot of romance attached to it. Does it not, Sam? You've been here the longest. Mm. Berlin has a lot of myth attached to it and a lot of, dare I say it, bullshit surrounding the, the life that is possible. Have you That's had basically op opportunities here that you wouldn't have had elsewhere? Well, yeah. I mean, a very, a very basic level. Um, there's a lot of 
open mic and and variety nights that you can just kind of rock up to and and play a song or do a set and I, I, I never had that opportunity in Melbourne. Not open stages where you can workshop material? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, you know, pay your $70 entry fee and be exposed to producers and that's not what I'm about. Now you do your own songs and you also do reinterpretations of other people's songs. How do you think you've seen your work develop over the year that you've been here? Well, I hadn't done a lot of rewriting of other people's songs in the past in the sense that I did pretty standard stuff just written into my own narratives in a cabaret show and here I found myself very alone I had no accompanist I had no lighting I had no director so I needed to produce something that would be interesting to people at these sort of nights and that's where I started rewriting other people's work which inspired me and which I loved and trying to reinterpret it so that it was new and fresh. What do you look for when you pick a song? I find this idea of reinterpreting very difficult to find a new voice in a song that I love so what how do you get into a song to reinterpret it? I try this with a lot of songs I just play through things and sometimes it doesn't work sometimes I just find that I can't get past what's been written or what's been sung Mm. by an artist and so I just leave it and move on. So what attracts you to cabaret in particular? Cabaret, when I when I came across cabaret, I realised that all of the areas in my life that I loved, I was able to combine those into a career because I've always loved writing, I've always loved music and cabaret means that I can write my own shows, I can write my own music, I can play, I can sing, I can act, I can dance if I really want to. <laughs> Um, you can, I can produce, I can direct, I can do it, I can do it all. A one wicked woman show. <laughs> I yeah. think we should hear some music. And you're going to perform for us an original song. Has it a title? Uh, yes, it's called The Future. The Future. All right, you can tell us a bit more about that after you play it. This is Hannah Day on Three Wicked Women. Be mine alone Don't you know I'm here to be The crazy bitch 
that's your last girlfriend Kiss me, hug me, pinch me, drug me, love me through the night Never fall asleep right after, but always stay the night Watch Twilight though, I don't like it, I just wanna make you bleed Kiss my auntie's hairy chin, pay for the things you're gonna do to me Key change, don't you know I'm looking for you Don't you know I could be yours Don't you know I'm here to be a certifiable Facebook whore Don't you know I'm looking for bastard that I know you are Don't you know I'm here to be an What a Lordy. spitfire. She has <laughs> such an amazing voice. Indeed. <laughs> Congratulations. What a great song. Now, where have you played that? Um, <laughs> I actually wrote this the night before I was booked to run a cabaret workshop at a high school <gasps> and I really wanted to play it. And the guy who, who booked me, he was like, I don't think you can. Was it the word whore? <laughs> I feel like it? it's relevant, like Facebook whore. Come on. Absolutely. That's the perfect teenage song yeah, in my book. Totally. I, I think it's I think kids need to know if they make the wrong choices, how how <laughs> yeah. bad relationships can possibly be. Yeah. And I mean, I I screwed it up anyway. I told one of the kids I was gonna eat him. So <laughs> Did he deserved it though. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. He ate it up. He he was <laughs> Excuse a pun, but he just, <laughs> you've got to make them afraid. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you're a really clear storyteller in your original songs and also in your covers too. You find a really nice, clear thematic through line. What's attractive about the chaos of relationships? Is this a common theme in your original writing? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just love writing about dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> it's more interesting to me. And maybe that's maybe that's my life experience talking, but it's just so much more interesting to me. I've I've tried to write love songs and I've tried to write peace, but it always seems to turn into something like that. So do you yeah. think that we might see you in a full-length self-written show? It, For sure. That'd be great. For sure. And if anyone wants to keep up with your dalliances and fully written, fully in bloomed shows, where can they do that? Do you have an artist page on Facebook? I do. I have a page on Facebook. I'm Hannah Day on Facebook and I'm Oh Hannah Day everywhere else. Twitter. <laughs> of course you are. Twitter, so, Instagram, yes. So. One final question, Hannah. Who is your favourite wicked woman? I would have to say Meow Meow is my favourite wicked woman <sighs> because the woman is ridiculous. She just does it all and... Yeah, she's, she's a cabaret artist. She's a cabaret Australian cabaret artist. Mm. And she's done a lot a lot of work in her life and she's actually just been cast in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream at the Globe. Wow. As Tatiana, which is crazy and she does the most amazing shows and writes amazing music with amazing people. She speaks so many different languages and she sings and she dances and she's really just she's a cabaret artist but she does heart-wrenching stuff as well and yeah she's just quite a talent so sam and i must therefore regale you goodbye oh hannah day oh hannah day oh hannah day oh hannah day when hannah was (laughs) thank you for being on three wicked women yeah three wicked women 
have lots of wires. Lots and lots Too of many. wires. Don't trip. It's always nice to hear someone on their way up, isn't it? Yeah. Hannah Day, what a wonderful song that was. Mm, yeah, yeah. She's great to see live too. But back to poetry now. Indeed. Yes, we have, of course, uh, another regular spot on Three Wicked Women. We're always very, very happy to welcome Amelia Jane Hunter into our bordello of poetry this week. <laughs> bordello of poetry. Amelia, who will regale us with a poem she wrote about an oyster and more. So here we are again with our guest with the mostest, Amelia Jane Hunter and her regular segment, Commit No Nuisance. Welcome. Thank you very much. If by mostest you mean the biggest hangover between the three of us, then yes, indeed, that is me. (laughs) Marvellous. Good night last night? Oh, just good nights for the last two weeks. I've been absolutely committing nuisance and as a result... Oh, I'm not coming to you today with my strongest. With their freshest. Oh, I mean, and it's poetry for God's sake. It's I the mean, poetry episode. be yeah. me. I do love poetry, I have to mm-hmm. admit. Well, when I say I love poetry, my beautiful friend who became a Buddhist monk, uh, she won the Blake Prize in Australia, which oh. for those that don't know is a, a religious-based spiritual Literary prize. Li- well, it, or no, art, it was always art, artwork. artwork. It was yes. always yeah. artwork. Yeah. And they, this particular year, I opened it out to poetry oh. and she won. Are we allowed to say her first name? Shugetsu. And she wrote this most incredible poem. And she, she when we first met as, you know, 15-year-old getabouts, she was this incredible, ethereal, <laughs> long blonde hair. I mean, almost like a Beau Derrick, but... Mm. with more of a hippie tone. The child prodigy of uh, international peace researcher and a, and a uh, sociologist wow. slash poet slash serious wanker. Uh, and, uh. you know, she was everything that I wasn't. You know, I was raised in the sort of ordinary Western family, lots of love, lots of support. Suburban. Very yeah. suburban. Mm-hmm. You know, I said love, I said pet. You know, the ardarts, the wild wine, mm. um, the aunties. And every time I went to her house, it was all these incredibly charismatic, exotic creatures, you know, from the Far East, from, you know, South Africa, all these feminists, all these people in caftans, you know, any number of her father's lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just this really eclectic bunch of cheese-eating, bread-breaking intellectual. people. Very intellectual. Yeah. So, of course, she was going to absorb a lot of that and herself was an incredible person and has been my best friend forever and mm. I love her dearly and I love the, the 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 journey she's taken in her life because we've always sort of held hands across the world together so mm. her, and she used to write poetry for me she wrote me a story about how I was this big warrior woman on a horse so she's responsible for my ego. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> and it sounds like for introducing you to poetry. Yes, she did. Yeah. And her father was a poet. And his poetry was really lovely, very steeped in folklore. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to have a radio program on um, this this Canberra radio station. And her father would come on and we'd be having crack-ups and laughing and playing heavy metal music. And then he'd totally bring the tone down with some poem of woe. You know, about how one of his balls didn't work and his third wife left him. 
Uh, and they'd be like, right, so... Moving right along. Back to phantom drumming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I did love it. I mean, I, I... And, you know, I really do, as a performer, enjoy the variety nights that I partake in or, or I'm an audience at, certainly here in Berlin, mm. uh, where spoken word is performed and poetry. And good poetry, you just know it. It grabs yeah. you, it, it clutches at your heart, mm. you hold your breath... I love that. For me, I'm a bit of a rhyming couplet kind of a girl. I'd sit there going, what rhymes with thumb? You know, and so it's really not my forte. I'm more of a long form. I mean, we wrote a poem. We were set a poetry task. and At, at school? Yeah, it was probably, I guess we were maybe 14, 15, mm-hmm. maybe mm. a bit later. Maybe I was 17. It's all very embarrassing. Mm. This is what I came up with. Please don't judge. Have you ever met an oyster sitting on its bum? Filtering water particles to fill its tiny tum. Between its evening meal and late mid-morning snore, it casts a spell inside its shell and wanks its willy saw. You see, the bollocks of an oyster comprise one-tenth its weight. The rest, it's merely muscle mass to help it masturbate. So the next time that you're dining on oysters, milk or rum, (laughs) know what you eat is not quite meat, but really oyster cum. (laughs) Combining two suburbs, like uh, two two subjects, like uh, biology, yes. and literature, yes. And I have to say, that's not entirely my um, original work. I had I had a help. What was your grade? That. What did you get marked? Oh, look, I was at a, uh, a <laughs> reciprocal rights college by then, so I probably got a hug and a joint from the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so impressed. <laughs> I, I cannot take I was entertaining. credit. For the original work, although it was a collaboration between myself and two particularly naughty boys and a bong. So you could imagine we were were like wanking our own willy saw with laughter, thinking we were incredible coming up with something quite earth shattering. Now, going from the ridiculous to the sublime, (laughs) I do believe recently, though, you've come across an Iraqi poet here in Berlin, living here in Berlin, who's really blown your mind with a particular new work well I think that part of me wanting to come back to Berlin is of course you know the the magnificence that is Berlin but also it's a really powerful and important time with the influx of refugees and Mm. you know unlike in Australia where we do disgraceful things and send them to other islands out of sight out of mind here it's 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 in our face and we can really step up and and help out and so many people do you know even airbnb sort of rented out all their rooms to refugee families or individuals i have so many friends that are doing remarkable things all voluntarily mind you Mm. uh working running families and still having having the time and the compassion to help out and i feel really proud to be alive here in germany at this time and i came across this poem online recently and it just came across my Facebook page of all places. And it was this young Iraqi refugee who had promised his mother he would not take a boat. And he did. And he wrote a poem. And it's translated. So some of the English is slightly out. But I was so moved by it. And I commented on it, which I seldom do. And he just, you know, thanked me wholeheartedly and, you know, hit me up as a friend. And then we spoke for quite a few days. And we met recently. And, you know, he's a remarkable young man and, you know, I just 
asked him if he would want to come and do a performance with me and perform his poem at this variety night. And he, his first comment was, I'm too shy. So with his permission, I um, asked if I could perform it, but not, not ever in any stage context, but just for those people who have no idea or even understanding of what people go through to get to a safe haven. So with his permission, I will read this beautiful poem that compelled me to not only, you know, think a lot deeper but create a new friendship. Can we have his name? His name's Modi. And he, he, he prefaced this by saying, before I left Iraq, my mother begged me to take care of myself well and not risking ride death by taking the boat across the sea. The worst moments of my life was not because I have almost drowned and die, not because the boat crashes and death became imminent, but I promised not to go by boat, was to be the worst dead a possible, and I wrote my feelings about this. So again, a translation from his mother tongue to English. The dreams of heartache carried me as a stray on the sea. I toyed the shores of death, but haven't docked and haven't departed. A lost sail and wind betrayed and cheapskate out loud the sound of the blame. The agony of regret started to remember. Don't ride to sail the sea. Don't get close to the boat. Die a thousand times like the unexistence. You broke a promise. You feared the punishment. Horrible was that recession I recalled my aches and the noise of the pain and faces that died before the foot gets wet. And a sacred crying, its echo spins in my head. The voice of my mother slipped in and filled me with regret. Within their noises and the crying broke a promise and a prayer. I heard nothing, just her voice rattling in my head. You won't drown, promised me to return. And I returned, as for her the fate wanted so. And I returned, as for her the fate wanted so. Lordy, that's quite a powerful piece. And, you know, this was on this Facebook page and it had over 800 comments because I think so many people were compelled just to think and feel finally that, Mm. sheesh, you know, they're not all, you know... uh, Economic migrants. No, they're not all, like, wanting to do all these bad things as, you know, the media moguls and the captains of industry will have us want to believe. Mm. These are real people and they have access to Facebook. This is how he learned his English. This is how he got out of his refugee camp after eight months because he learned English. The civil society response in Germany has been amazing for me as an Australian to to witness the German government didn't seem to be prepared for the million 1.2 million people who came in last year and they were really struggling to keep up we've got the main um, Berlin refugee intake center just a couple of blocks down from our podcast studio here and you see long lines and but the the civil response that is built up around that like you said people are offering their rooms. I know a New Zealand poet called Hina Moana who lives in a, a one-bedroom flat and she's sharing it with an asylum seeker. Berlin's almost the best possible place for people to come, I think, because it is a more tolerant And it's such city. a cosmopolitan city, you know, and a lot of people I know are already quite compassionate and, mm. you know, don't want for much, but what they have they're prepared to share. I mean, Modi's already invited me over to cook me a, a, an Iraqi feast. Oh, lovely. And my only quandary is, can I bring alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> 
Why don't you take him a poem? You could you could give him a reciprocal poem as a thank you. He's not getting the oyster poem. <laughs> no, no, no one's no. getting that. But we got it, and we also got <laughs> Modi's poem. And need to thank you again, Amelia Jane Hunter, for an extraordinarily poetic commit. No nuisance. Thank you. My pleasure. Is your show still called Three Wicked Women? Are we not still wicked? Well, that's almost it for this second episode of Three Wicked Women. Side one, track two, poetry. And we do hope that you've been inspired by what you've heard today and who you've met today. Our special guests, Sandra Sarala and, of course, Hannah Day. Now, at the start of this episode, you might recall... I read out a couple of lines from a poem by the poet Rumi. Mm. Sam, it's your turn now. I guess we can call this poetry of sorts and it's directly related to Wuthering Heights and Kate Bush. Yes. This is a British writer, Mallory Ortberger, writes for The Guardian. She published a book that's called Texts from Jane Eyre and Other Conversations with Your Favourite Literary Characters where she reimagines the plots of books like Hamlet and uh, Wuthering Heights as SMS messages between the protagonists. And I was gagging with laughter. So we could we could take this as a form of poetry concrete. <laughs> and I'd, I'd really love to read you guys some, of, some of this. This is Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte as reimagined by Mallory Ortberg in the form of text messages. I love you so much. I'm going to make myself sick. Good. Good, that's so much love. I love you so much, I'm going to get sick again just out of spite. I'll forget how to breathe. I'll be your slave. I'll damn myself with your tears. I'll love you so much, I'll come back and marry your sister-in-law. God, yes. And I'll bankroll your brother's alcoholism. I always hoped you would. Do you know who I hate? Everyone? Everyone! (laughs) Oh, my God! What are you going to scream at my grave? Oh, man, what aren't I going to scream at your grave? And so on. (laughs) It's lovely. Heathcliff, he was just so dark. So was Cathy, for that matter. Oh, they were dark. They were dark. A gothic, tortured romance from Wuthering Heights as translated into text. Beautifully uh, read out by... Dramatically. Enacted, embodied even. (laughs) Dramatic... (laughs) Embodied. You've got a, a new career on the stage waiting for you. Yes, uh, as William Sam. Shatner impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's uh, Sam's contribution to our poetry episode today. And again, if you want to get involved in her International Day of Wuthering, which is coming on, up on July 16th, we'll keep you updated throughout our episodes of Three Wicked Women, but you just have to visit that on Facebook and you can get involved either as a dancer or also as an organiser. So our next episode, Sam, will be devoted to food. Hurrah! Obviously a favourite topic of ours. Absolutely. We will speak to our regular, Oliver Budak, who will do a freak food and wine match inspired by the movie Sideways. Yay. And Amelia Jane Hunter, of course, our other regular, will dive into her Manchester kitchen this time to do a roast in Commit No Nuisance. Mm. And Sam, you'll be speaking to... A Berliner behind an exciting project of cooking vegetarian food for homeless people. And we'll also meet an Israeli woman living here in Berlin who's using food... To heal world conflict. She is indeed a big project. Thank you very much for listening. Three Wicked Women is an independent podcast produced by Megan Spencer. That's you. It is. And Samantha Waring. That's me. It is. Huge thanks to sound wizard James Tolson from Berlin Tour Support. 
to this week's special guests. And to our regular guests, Oliver Budak for Gut Feeling. And the very wicked Amelia Jane Hunter for Commit No Nuisance. And the Three Wicked Women theme song is Stolen Kisses by Wasp Summer. That's you, Sam. And our percussive stings are by Oliver Budak. And we would love to hear from you, our wicked audience. You can drop us a line at threewickedwomenradio at gmail.com. Stay up to date with us on Facebook by liking Three Wicked Women Radio. Or you can tweet us at Wicked Women Rad because that's frankly what we are. Share, stream or download the Three Wicked Women podcast from threewickedwomenradio.bandcamp.com. And we can't wait to talk to you again next time in another fit of voluptuous panic. Shoo!